What's up, guys? Welcome to the Care Coach Lead Show. This is Andrew Frezza, and today I'm joined by the owner of Caffeine and Kilos, Danny Lear. <laughs> and uh, welcome to the show, Danny. Yep. Thanks, Andrew. Glad to be here. Um, so today we're going to be talking about, I titled this episode, The Everything Coach and Entrepreneur, because Danny has quite the background with uh, opening up Caffeine and Kilos, being a coach of many different things, CrossFit, weightlifting, sports as well. And, um, and, and started many, many businesses. So we're going to talk a little bit about coaching. We're going to talk about a little bit about entrepreneurship. We'll talk about parenting as well. Then you have two kids, is yep, that right? Two kids, two girls. Yep, two kids, two girls. Awesome. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about everything and, um, give us just like a snapshot of your background of how you got into fitness and specifically where did caffeine and kilos come about in this journey? Yeah, absolutely. Growing up, uh, we just always played sports. My parents had us into different sports all throughout, you know, childhood, baseball, soccer, everything, and lots of outdoor things. We'd go, my dad would take us backpacking for, you know, we'd go seven days um, during the summer and hike in through Yosemite and, and that type of stuff. So lots of outdoor activities and just being involved in um, active lifestyle. Uh, so then I, that was always really appealing to me and, and playing sports in high school. I decided that I wanted to be a PE teacher because um, I really liked coaching things. So I started coaching wrestling while I was in college. And so I thought, well, I should probably be a teacher because um, if I'm like working some desk job, I can't just leave at two o'clock to go to practice, you know? And so that kind of led me, led me down that direction. Uh, then with, so business and stuff, I, so I'm teaching PE and, and I find a CrossFit um, and go and reach out and find the, the local affiliate. And he had just started and needed help, right? Like, hey, I just started this thing, but he's coaching every single class. Uh, and so he needed someone to kind of help out and help him, help him, you know, launch that gym and run that gym, uh, CrossFit Excel. And so that's, that's how I got into that. That's how I got into that. Because I always knew I wanted to do something in business. At some point in my life, uh, my my parents ran a business when I was a kid. My grandfather had started you know a few different businesses and, and was doing that thing. And so I grew up around uh, just uh, like get some jobs and work for somebody else. And I thought you know I I've seen people have success in business and entrepreneurship my whole life. So I knew that was something that at some point I wanted. That's kind of how. Uh, oh. All right, dude, I'm back. Oh, there you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're good. You could keep going with that. You were talking about, um, I think it, it completed you talking about you knowing you always wanted yeah. to get into entrepreneurship. So you can kind yep. of shift to the next part of that story. Yep. Yeah. And so then with, as a, I was teaching PE and I had this CrossFit gym and another friend of mine that, that ran a CrossFit gym up in Sacramento area, uh, he just kind of reached out to me out of the blue and said, hey man, I want to hold a competition. And, you know, get the best weightlifters in the country uh, to come out and lift and let's pay him a cash prize and, and let's kind of have this big, this big thing, you know, and I thought it sounded like a lot of fun. And it was over the, the summer, it was the very beginning of the summer. So I had a little bit of time 
And so that's what we did is we kind of put all this effort and energy into like putting together this event. Um, and we're going to call it the Captain and Keels Invitational. And then along the way, we said, okay, we should, you know, sell some, uh, sell some apparel there and stuff. And, and then he, he had another friend who had a streetwear brand and just kind of always knew what was cool, what people liked <laughs> and all that. So then the three of us kind of started working on this thing together. And the original plan was just to be this event, do it one time and just kind of see how it goes. Uh, but as we started putting together the stuff for the event, we got the apparel and we, we started sending them out to some different people and, and people just loved it. Like they just really kind of, the name Caffeine and Kilo was really resonated with them. And so we, it, it became obvious that it was going to be more than just this one time event. Um, so we, we hosted the event. It was great. We did. We had top lifters from all over the country came out. We had a big crowd that got a lift in front of, which was fun. Um, we paid some cash prizes. And then at that point, we had already launched the online store because we had such a positive response from from the, the, the apparel and the coffee. We actually had the, our first blend of coffee live at that event as well. And so it just, it just took off. And, and then um, after that, it was just clear there's only, only so much time in the day. And so that was the end of my teaching career, uh, pretty much. So I wanted to host an event, turned into a, turned into a company and a job and uh, shifted kind of what, what my priorities were. Yeah, it's funny because this is the, the first time we've actually gotten to talk and have a conversation. But I'm familiar with the Caffeine and Kilos brand. And it, it seems to have had a lot more legs than other brands that have come and gone throughout the years in, in CrossFit and weightlifting and just the fitness space. Do you think it's because of the name? Do you think it's something had to do with how you guys had this kind of grassroots start to it? Or what can you attribute to sort of the lasting effect of that brand and just the, the, the stickiness of the brand? Well, I mean, we, we are our market, right? And that, that's how it's always been. You know, we started, I was uh, competing in weightlifting um, at the national level, lifting for California Strength, so one of the you know, most popular weightlifting teams in the country. Um, so I was on that team competing with them, you know, being coached by Glenn Penley and, and doing this kind of whole thing at the time. The, the other two co-founders um, both were, one guy owns a CrossFit gym also. The other guy was doing local CrossFit comps and actually started doing some weightlifting meets and, and made it to, to lift at, at, you know, a national meet at one point. And so that's, that's kind of, I think, is a big part of it is, is we're not – we're not a company that has some uh, parent company over it that's just trying to trying to start something and trying to monetize the you know CrossFit or weightlifting of like space, right? Um, we it really is a, a grassroots company um, that's founded by people who are part of the community, right? I think that I think people can can see that, right? It's all everything's real genuine. It's not just someone trying to um, push something onto people, but it's just you know, stuff that we like. So like all the, everything we make, all the apparel we, we release are there things that we like that we wear, you know, um, the, you know, the coffee, that's the coffee we drink. The, you know, we, I still own a CrossFit affiliate, you know, I we still a couple of years ago, I, I did a master's weightlifting meet, um, you know, still came out of to do that. So I think that's a big part is people kind of know that and athletes know that. And, and, you know, the name I think is catchy too, but I mean, the apparel looks good. It feels good. Uh, and I think people just can tell it's genuine. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So tell me more about the coaching journey that you've had 
What does that look like over the years? You started as a wrestling coach, PE teacher. How much coaching have you done in between that as you're building this brand? Yeah, so I, I coached wrestling for 10 years. Um, and uh, a few of my coaches uh, that I had had a really big impact on me, just the way they did things and and the the way that they interacted, you know, with athletes and, and pushed people to, to be better, you know. Um, it was really it was really good. It was impressive. I'd, so I, I definitely had some great coaches uh, like through high school. And, and then as I was coaching, some of the people I was coaching with were kind of formed a lot of the way I would do things. And then one individual that had a huge impact um, on, on me and on my kind of coaching theory, I guess you can call it, was Glenn Penley. When I was lifting for California Strength, um, Coach Glenn Penley was the coach out there. And, and just seeing the way that he would uh, do things with different people and, and uh, the, the expectations that he had on people, you know, was, was a whole other level. Um, I remember there was times uh, specifically where, you know, for whatever reason, you're not doing something that he, he thinks you should be. Um, and so everyone else might be done with that training session. And then it's just you and him uh, for another 30 minutes while he's just like hammering it. He's like, will not let it go. Like we are not done until you, <laughs> like until you make this change or until you do this thing. Right. And it could be sometimes, or most often was like a small detail right that maybe a lot of people would think is insignificant or that oh that'll work itself out over time uh, but no that's not how it worked with uh, coach penley it was those small little details were the most important thing and if that means that we're going to be here for another hour after everyone else is done then that's what we're doing right so, like we are going to fix this thing uh, what, and what's his demeanor like in those sessions is he yelling at you is he upset is oh. he very like empathetic in those what's what's his what was his demeanor like in those man glenn didn't yell too much it was more of just uh you just like sit there and you do it and he was uh like no again no <laughs> no and then he would get up and walk over and be like trying to get you to like stay over the bar or whatever right you need to be here um like kind of get you in that position okay and then go okay okay and then no no like that's it just kind of sitting there like every rep just and then, you know, after three or four times, he'd go over and kind of correct something again. And this one day, I remember actually uh, pretty, pretty vividly uh, that I was having some issue and he was doing this with me. And then, like, 30 minutes later, he said, of doing this, he goes, there, there, that very closely resembles what a good snatch should look like. And I started laughing. I'm like, Glenn, like, the hell man like what do you like what do you mean because like so was it good or was it not like what do you mean it like closely resembles what a good snatch should look like like what you know it's like well you know what i mean like it's not you know it's not perfect but you know it's getting bit like that you're getting what we're trying to accomplish here like it's getting better it's improving you know uh, but what the big takeaway was that if he told you something was good like you knew it was good like there was zero chance that he was going to tell you that you were doing something right if it wasn't right. And that lesson like really stuck with me. Like I remember that, you know, and it's like the, the biggest disservice you can do to an athlete or anybody you're coaching is tell them that something's right when it's not, you know? And so I think a lot of times people, when they're coaching athletes or if they're coaching at a gym, especially and people are paying them to be there, you know, and you're, you know, someone's, 
someone's struggling with something and, and you're trying to help them through it, like you want them to have success, right? You want them to, to be encouraged. And so it's easy to, to kind of be like, okay, yeah, or like try and encourage someone or, or praise them on something, even though it's not quite what it should be. And it's like, you just can't do that. Like you can say better, you can tell them better if it's getting better. Like you cannot tell someone something good if it's not, you know? And I think that uh, people respect that and they understand that. And uh, that's a, that's definitely something that's, that's big, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a great insight. And I, I've worked with Glenn a couple times. I, he did some seminars here in South Florida um, at Broward CrossFit back in the day. And um, he's since passed, but he's, he was an incredible coach. And I think he had a great way of, making you earn his respect or earn his praise, but also not right. being a hard ass about it. I never got that right. from him. So I was curious if, if he was a little bit tougher with his oh, a- actual athletes, but yeah. um, it doesn't sound like he was, he was just persistent. He wanted to get a result from you I guys. I remember one time there was this girl who was trying to, um, her jerk, she wasn't getting her front foot out far enough in a jerk. She was struggling with that. And uh, it was her birthday. And at one point she was crying <laughs> and it obviously was yelling at her just because like she goes, she couldn't do it. She was like struggling with it. And same thing. He's just sitting there. No, nope, no. Nope. <laughs> and would walk over and correct her and put her foot where he wanted it to be and kind of showed her, okay, we want to be like this and you're done. And then he went and sat down again and she did too. was like, nope. And then one time he corrects her again. And he sits down and she did it and it was worse. And he actually said, he said, that is the opposite of what we're trying to accomplish here. <laughs> and now, now she's really crying, you know, I was like, what? It's her birthday. Like, <laughs> but, but that's how it was. Like there was, there's right. And there's, you know, and there's, there's correct and there's incorrect. Right. And, and, and you have to do it the correct way. And it matters, you know, those things matter. And, you know, you're only doing people a disservice, uh, letting them get away with subpar movement. Yeah. It sounds like that. It, it really resonated that approach with you as an athlete. And, um, as you took that, that into CrossFit, what of that did you really embody and take with you? And then what of that did you try to evolve to more of a, a general population athlete? Like, are you as persistent? Have you been as a coach with your athletes the way he was with you? Or did you find that you modified your approach for the everyday person? Definitely more patient uh, with with people, and I think that a lot of times you you do have to take into a, into accord where people started at and where they currently are, right? And so when when you're looking at progress, um, yes, it's good to have goals and things you're trying to accomplish out in front of you, but you also need to you need to measure backwards too, right? Like you need you need to look at okay, like where did this person start? Where are they now? Like, how much have they improved? And, like, people, you know, when you're talking about working with, you know, we'll call them general, <laughs> gen pop, right? Like, general population uh, people compared to somebody who's, you know, an athlete just trying to, you know, win national championship or something. But when you're talking about a, a, a regular person, uh, they don't have to be perfect. They just need to be improving, right? And so as long as they're getting better and there is, you know, and, and every day and every time you work on something, there is an improvement that's going the right direction, then that's the goal. Like, that's what you want. You know, um, if it's an athlete and you're working on this performance and this person is trying to win national championships, then you can draw that, you can draw a harder line there. 
you know, and it's like, nope, this needs to be like better or sometimes isn't good enough. It needs to be, it needs to be correct, you know? Um, whereas someone who is just on this fitness journey and they're in there to, you know, they're in there for an hour and the goal is for it to be, you know, the best hour of their day and they're trying to improve overall as a person and, and all that, then, okay, like as long as the movement is safe and they are getting better, you know, that improvement is, uh, is more important. And so there, there is a little, little bit different of a, of a shift. And, and as far as I do think you still need to be demanding of people, you should make sure that they know that their standards and their, their goals and they're reaching for these standards, but also, you know, they shouldn't leave discouraged either, right? You don't want people to come in and then go home discouraged and think they're never going to get it. They need to see the progress. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the progress is simply an awareness. They might not have actually made any progress that day, but they're becoming more aware of what's happening wrong. And maybe we get better the next time around. That's it. That's it. And that's always the goal. It's just, you don't have to be perfect. You just always have to be improving. Yeah. So as you've, as you've seen coaching in many different realms, what do you feel like makes a great coach and how different is it in wrestling versus PE versus Olympic lifting versus CrossFit? Like where are the overlaps there and where are the the differences? So I think in general, what makes a good coach is uh, empathy. So you have to know where people are coming from, right? Like that's important. If you, people are not robots, right? People have emotions. Um, they have had experiences. They show up to whatever. And this, these, these things go in all those categories, right? Like this is not the only thing they have going on today, right? Like they might have, um, you know, maybe they're late because they got stuck behind a train or maybe, maybe they got in a car accident. Maybe they're, you know, their aunt died yesterday, right? Like things, like things happen in people's lives. Um, and so you can't, if someone's not performing one day or it seems like something's off, like you need to be aware of that and, and talk to people and kind of know where they're coming from and you just meet people where they are that day, you know? Um, now, if it's a higher level athlete, maybe it's a little different. Maybe, maybe there's a time where you tell them too, Hey, you need, you need to bury those emotions down for the next hour and we can address it later. Um, but for mo- most, that's a, that's a really rare situation, right? Most times, um, so I think that's really, really important is the empathy. You got to know where people are at. The other thing is standards. People need to know what the standards are. And then as a coach, you cannot accept um, sub standard performance. And that, you know, as far as like say CrossFit class or whatever, if, if uh, the movement is, you know, whatever it is, um, say like toes to bar or something, they can't do that. So they're just doing leg raises. Well, that's fine, but they, what is their standard and what is acceptable and what is not, right? We can't have it to where at one point it breaks down to where you're just barely moving or barely doing anything, right? Like we set, we set a standard and this is a standard you will meet. And we can adjust things and scale things so it's appropriate for you, but like the, the standard does not, does not change and you can't just get away with anything, right? And so I think those are really the, the two most important things for um, – and I guess then the third one would be, well, I mean, it kind of goes into empathy. I would say like interacting with people, right? Like feedback, like you need to get feedback from the people you're working with as well. Cause you might, you're trying to tell them something, they're not doing it. 
Well, maybe they're not doing it. It's not that they don't want to. Maybe you're just doing a shitty job explaining what they want, what you want them to do. And so you need to like talk to people and ask them questions and, and get their feedback. You know, it's like they're checking for understanding, right? If you just say, all right, you got it? They're like, yeah, I got it. But they, they may not, right? So it's like asking questions that are more specific. And so if they can, re, you know, reply to you in their own words what, what they think you said, you know? And so I think those, those three kind of uh, legs of the coaching stool there is like empathize with your, whoever you're coaching with your athletes, um, have a, make sure you have a standard and they know what it is and then listen to them and take their feedback. Right. And, and go from there. Now, when you're coaching um, like wrestling, high school wrestling, for example, um, those are a little bit different. You're definitely going to be a lot harder on those kids because they're going out there. And if they lose, if you lose in wrestling, it's not just like, oh, I will upset. Like you can get hurt, you know, like it's a physical sport. Like you're going out there and like, you're trying, like you're trying to choke the shit out of this guy um, and pin him. Right. And they're trying to do the same to you. And so you need to, you need to get a little more mental toughness uh, in those kids. And so you might do things or, or push them harder than you would other uh, other athletes or other sports in different situations because they need to be mentally tough. They need to uh, be used to being in a position where like they, they're physically in pain and are, and are still performing anyway. Like they can't shut down when things hurt. In fact, there's a lot of times in wrestling, you do something that hurts. Like I'm going to do this and it is going to hurt me to do it, but I'm going to win because of it. Right. And so like you're, you're inflicting pain on yourself because that's what it takes to win. Um, and so when, when that type, when that's part of the sport, um, you know, in, in training and in practice, you're going to do some things that you, you wouldn't do otherwise. Right. As far as pushing people, um, maybe past their limits or past comfortable situations. Yeah. I definitely um, think the, the stakes, the stakes determine how strict you want to be with your athletes. You know, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it, right? You take again, if I'm if you're coaching a regular CrossFit class, and you know the then someone's in there just to they're just trying to like feel good, they're trying to be healthy, lose some weight, and feel good, right? Like they you do not need to be forcing them to do to like work while they're crying on the floor. You know what I mean, right? Um, whereas you know if somebody is trying to uh, you know make a world team in weightlifting. And they're, you know, and they've got another set of squats to do and they like really don't want to do it. You probably need to make them do it. Right. Um, and so that, yeah, that's kind of taking people where they're at and what are the goals. And like you said, the stakes, where are the stakes at? And, and that, that should determine kind of how, how hard you push people. Right. Yeah. And um, I want to dive this in this a little bit further. Cause I think there's, there's this fine line. There's, there's some coaches that they coach everybody the same. They coach that general mm -hmm. population person the same way they would coach that elite wrestler. And then I think there's other coaches that are maybe not too soft in a way, but they don't, they don't really push to make people better every single day. And I think right. there's just because someone may not have the same stakes as someone else doesn't mean that we shouldn't be trying to get them better and if we can do it in a context that is relatable to them and their goals, then it becomes valuable for them. And actually what I found is it gives them longevity as one of your clients. Whereas if you can give someone just a good, fun experience and you're not really pushing them to get better, 
you might get 12 months out of them, 18 months out of them. But if you are challenging them to get better, you are finding those nuances where we can still improve them. That's where you have clients I found for five, seven, 10 years, because there's a longevity in the relationship and the value that you're given as a coach. And that's where the real rewards come in as well, right? Like as the client, as the person, it's like, yeah, you might, you might come in, you might show up because you want to lose 30 pounds or whatever. But then when you're doing pull-ups, happens all the time, right? Like we have this uh, woman in my gym right now who's 60 years old and she like did a rope climb the other day, whatever, right? And she was freaking pumped and she was like, I never thought at like six years old, I'd be like climbing this rope. I'm like, well, yeah, Lori, like you've been in pull-ups for, for like a year now. Like, like I always knew, I knew you could, right. But it was just like, wasn't the appropriate time and what, you know, mm-hmm. but, the, but that's why she's hooked and keeps coming back. Like she lost when she originally joined was to like work on some stress things and lose some weight. And, and that was done after, after a couple months. Right. But then what really is keeping her around and keeping her motivated is seeing these other, this other progress, other stuff going on. She's doing pull-ups now. She's climbing a rope. She, she made some comments like, you know, I've been thin before, but like, I've never had abs. And like, I never thought 60 years old would be when that happens. You know? And it's like these, it's this, this progress and it's, it's seeing the progress. And that, that's, that is what's exciting to her. And, and, you know, as a coach, that's what's exciting too. You know, I, so I think you, you nailed it, right? You got to kind of know people. Um, what's their story? What's their reason? Why are they here? Right. And then, you know, coach them appropriately based on that. Um, and I think a big part of that also is having a standard, you know, whatever it is for that day or for that movement. And then you have to hold them to it. Right. And people want, um, I had this, uh, this, he was actually my wrestling coach and I, I was teaching with him for a while. We taught the same school. And one time he said, talking about the students said, kids crave discipline. And I remember thinking like, what the hell are you talking about, man? I'm like, nah, they, they'd rather be over there, you know, messing around than they would be standing in this line. But then you realize that it's, that's not the case. Like that's, you know, you know, when, you know, when kids like get in trouble when you're teaching is when they have a lack of instruction. If you're just like, all right, like, here's the ball, go play. Like, that's when there's going to be fights breaking out and kids picking on kids and, and whatever. People, like, not doing the things supposed to do. You, you put them in lines, you give them, like, a ball, and you give them drills. And there's, like, standards and things they're supposed to do. They're standing in line, and they're not and – they're, and they are doing the things they're supposed to do, and they're not getting in trouble, and they're not talking when they're not supposed to – you know, whatever. And they're not getting in fights and, and all that. And it's it's – it's true. Like people need, uh, they need accountability, right? Mm-hmm. They need structure. They need accountability. They need standards. And I'm, I'm not in any way suggesting that you run your, you know, your fitness classes, like it's the military or something. And maybe some people have success with that. Um, I don't, we don't, we like to keep things light, keep them fun. Uh, but at the same time, everybody knows what's expected and what the standards are. And there's that element of, um, structure and, you know, stands and they're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I see it as giving people clarity. Um, we, we talk yeah. about one of the roles of what makes a great coach is this director role. The director is like the director on set in the movie. They they're in charge right. of the clock, the music. They're the person that briefs the, the starter class, the workouts. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have big classes here. We got to break up into heat. Sometimes we get to start in different stations and, 
you know, sometimes there's, there's coaches that will let the members choose, Hey, you know, some of you guys start here. Some of you guys start there. And they think that that approach of more autonomy is empowering. But what it is, is that it's, it's creating a lack of clarity and the lack of clarity creates a lack of structure and that, that class, you know, sometimes it works well. And then sometimes it's just a mess and, you know, telling people what to do in that sense is oftentimes a good thing because they want that clarity. They crave it. So. And, and there's a way to do both to a certain degree, right? Like you could say, okay, we're going to do three heats. We're going to have some people are going to be starting here. Some people are going to be starting here and some people are going to be starting here. So who would like to start here? Right. Do we have any volunteers to start here? And then if no, okay, that's fine. Then you three are just going to go do it. Right. Yeah. But a lot of times you get, okay, volunteers start here. People will usually do it. Okay. Now what, who would like to start here? We need three people to go here and then three, you know, so to a degree, they can kind of choose choose their own adventure, but there's a structure in place that's already there. And everything, you have lined out what is going to happen, and then they can maybe self-select within that, right? Yeah. So you brought in a little bit of the parenting. You talked about kids crave discipline. What? How has coaching taught you to be a better parent or vice versa? How has parenting taught you to be a better coach? And how old are your girls? Uh, so my girls are uh, nine and five. Well, turns turns five in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll tell you one thing that parenting has taught me about coaching is patience. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, sometimes I wonder if I'd be a worse wrestling coach now that I'm a dad. Like, would I be too soft? Um, I don't. I don't know. Um, I think I'd be able to maybe like draw a line or, or wherever, but it's definitely different. Um, yeah. So patience is a big one. Because a lot of times, you know, when you're coaching somebody, especially if it's in a more of a performance, you know, type of environment, you know, you want them to do something you want, like, it should be done now. Like, where it should, you know, if, like, you say something once and, like, that's it. Like, that's it. Yeah, like, there's no, there's no repeating yourself or there is no, um, like, oh, maybe he's working on it type of thing, right? Um, and then all of a sudden you have kids and you're like, hey, go, you know, like, go put your shoes on or whatever. And then, you know, when you go in there and they're like still working on that sock, you know, oh, damn it. Yes. Yeah, this is like, right. And then you, but you can take a step back and realize, okay, like this girl's, you know, five years old and what's been going on. And, you know, and it's, it does, uh, it does require another level of patience because otherwise you, otherwise you're going to go nuts. You're not going to be happy. You know, it's like the, I think a lot of times um, as a coach, we, it, we just assume that if someone's not uh, immediately doing what, what we instructed them to, um, that they are uh, purposely being defiant or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just not true, right? And so that finding that, that gap and, and, and where, where that lies, where the patient comes in, definitely a big, a big part of it. Yeah. And I think where coaching impacts parenting on the other side is the, you have this experience working with different people and it's all goals. You want them to get better at these things. And, and here is, here's where we are, here's where we want to be, here's a path to get there. And so being able to do that with your kids is really beneficial, I think. They, you know, whatever they want to do, whatever they want to get better at, um, being able to take that time. Here's where we are, here's where we want to be, and here's how we get there. So. Yeah, it's funny. I, um, one of the big things I that plug, I do. With- I got to plug in my computer. Oh, okay, no problem. Yeah, take a second. It was. Uh, I thought we were good, but I just got a notification. I was like, you got 10 minutes. I'm like, Because oh. sometimes it says that, and you really have like a minute.
Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's funny. I noticed with my kids and I have two boys that are five and two reading books to them coming from this coaching mindset. And now this growth mindset, it's so ingrained that there are, there are literally books that I go to read to them and I'm like, I'm not reading this again. I don't like we're donating it. We're throwing it away. Or I'm getting rid of it completely. Oh my God. Okay. Rainbow fish. Have you read the rainbow fish? I think I have, but I, I don't remember the, the storyline. So the first time I read it, I'm like, this is great. It's a book, you know, it's a story about sharing and friendship and stuff. And then, so there's a fish, whatever, it's all these shiny scales, and the other fish won't play with it because he's got all these shiny scales. What he does, he actually, like, takes off his scales and hands them out, and everyone has, like, one shiny scale, and they all play together. And at first, to your service level, you're like, oh, maybe sharing. Well, then, like, the second time I'm reading it, I'm like, what is this horse shit? Like, they're not playing with him because he's different. Like, that's a terrible message. And so people aren't playing with him. You should, like, buy their friendship. You should just give them the stuff you have. They didn't, like, earn those scales. They didn't work for the scales. You just gave them to them so that they would play with you. Like, this is fuck. Anyway, I've, I've, yeah, I'm like, we're burning this. Right? This is going to be kindling for the next fire. It was like, I got really... <laughs> I really worked up on it. Do you, do you have any, um, any, I, I can think of a few books that I hate. Do you have any good ones that you really like that do kind of fit your mindset about life or coaching mindset? Actually. Yeah. Uh, Andy Frisella has some children's books um, and one of them is called the fantastic fruit stand. Um, so the, there's these main characters, these two bulldogs, and you know, yeah, all I've, the messages, I've read them. They're awesome. Okay, there you go. Also, <laughs> play to win. It's like Charlie yeah. and I forget the other dog. Uh, Otis is the other dog. Yep, Charlie yeah. and Otis play to win, and that's a great book. It's about like you know, um, it's okay to want to win, and like sportsmanship uh, can still, in fact, sportsmanship is trying to win, right? Like you shouldn't play, and if you don't keep score, then nobody can win, and. and and uh, anyway, if there's no winners, there's no losers, and it's just a whole thing about why teach kids like why you shouldn't feel bad about losing. You also shouldn't feel bad about uh, winning and beating somebody. Um, and anyway, so that yeah, those those books are great. The Fantastic Fruit Stand and uh, Play to Win. Those are those. Are, in fact, one of my my oldest daughter when she was in preschool, um, I for every kid in our class. I bought a copy of Charlie Notice Fantastic Fruit Stand and like wrapped them all and gave them out at Christmas. It was like it. the most wrapping gifts I've ever done in my life. But I was like, I was like, all twenty five of these kids are gonna learn about uh, like hard work and entrepreneurship. Yeah. So I wanted I wanted to ask you a little bit about how you arrange your days and your weeks as you know a parent having multiple businesses. How do you manage that to stay productive and what? how do you approach your day in a way to be able to maximize the business, but also the family side? Sure. I do a lot of uh, block blocking basically, or like chunking of times and, and my days as well. So uh, every day, seven days a week, I get up at the same time and I get up uh, like a quarter to five. And so then I, and I don't do this um, big morning routine thing at that time. I, work right and so from from about 5 30 5 or 5 30 until about seven o'clock uh, i work and i do that every morning and it's great because nobody's calling you no one is uh, expecting replies to text messages or emails 
Um, you kind of have this time. And during that time, um, you things you should or shouldn't be doing as far as more or less productive. You want to not be like in your email box going through there and doing stuff like that. But instead, it's like, what are the biggest tasks for that day? Right. Like what are the most the big rocks? What are the most productive things that you can do um, that you can move forward? So I take that time in the morning and just move some big, big things forward. Use that time to kind of what are the most important tasks I need to do for that day? And that that alone, I think I get more done during those two hours in the morning a lot of times than I do the rest of the day. Um, just because, you know, nothing is no, no emergencies came up yet. Right. Um, whereas throughout the day, sometimes you end up kind of putting out fires. So that's that's one one thing that's really really beneficial is that getting up early takes some time, uh, and then I my days in general I uh, three days a week um, the middle Tuesday Wednesday Thursday I go up to the Captain Keels warehouse and and uh, we're all the whole team is there those days and we hold our you know like a weekly alignment meeting and we do um, meetings with individuals as well for like weekly goal setting review meetings um, those are kind of what we do um, what I do up there. Um, a lot. And then Friday through Monday, I just kind of work from home or from the gym, um, kind of do, do it like that. So I do things for caffeine kilos, uh, every day, no matter if I'm there or if I'm working remotely. Um, but that's just kind of how, so that's how my, my days and weeks are structured. And one more thing on the daily structure is I really focus on when I get, um, like we eat dinner together as a family. And we eat pretty early, like between 5 and 5.30. And that's it. Like when I get home um, from that time, like I'll take my phone and I put it in another room and I don't look at it again until the kids are in bed. And I'm not perfect with that. I don't necessarily do it every day. Um, but that's the goal. And I do it more days than I don't, right? And so you have this, you know, two and a half, three hour block where you're not getting distracted by other things. Um, you actually have that time to, to spend with your family. I've had, I've had too many days where, you know, between dinner and when the kids are going to bed, I'm, you know, on my phone or doing some work stuff, you know, or off of my phone. And like, you know, well, I'm sitting on the couch next to him, but I'm ignoring him, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. doing, I'm working my phone or whatever. And then they go to, then I put him to bed and then I'm sitting on like, like sitting on the couch or whatever. I'm like, man, now I like, I'm done with that thing I was needed to do. Like, man, I really wish I really like to talk to my kids or play with my kids now. It's like, man, you just feel like the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> you just, when they were awake, you were ignoring them. And then now they're in bed. It's like, you can't, you can't have that. You can't have that time back. You can't, you can't see them now. They're sleeping, you know? And so that's when I got more serious about it. Like, okay, that's it. When I get home from, when we start eating dinner until they're in bed, um, the phone's going in the other room, not, not going to be something that's going to be distracting me from that time. And once they're in bed, if you got something you got to do, like, go do it. And it's funny how many times it would happen. Put them in bed. I'm like, all right, go, go check my phone. God, like, wonder what, wonder what's going on or wonder what I missed or, you know. And you know what I usually miss is nothing. Nothing. <laughs> oh, there wasn't, you know, the world didn't burn down in the last two hours that you weren't, that you weren't paying attention to your phone, right? So, for for someone the, who's... For someone who's not a parent yet, hasn't got a chance to experience it, you know, I think being a parent changes so much of your perspective on things. And I know that I had the feeling like, I wish I could have been a parent for one or two years and then go back to like my early twenties <laughs> and then Dude. relive that part of my life. But, um, yeah. for that person that is in, in their, you know, early mid twenties, kids really 
aren't on the horizon yet, uh, maybe never for them. What about being a parent would you want to like download into them to be able to get that, get more out of their days or just a different approach to life? I think that the being present side of things um, and maybe uh, not taking yourself so seriously, you know, like those things kind of go together. Um, I've always, I haven't had a whole lot of problems taking myself too seriously, but um, it's, it's really important, but it's definitely a different thing with kids. Right. Um, because it's not taking them so seriously all the time. Like they, kids are goofy and silly. And sometimes you're just, like you've got an agenda, you're just trying to like get them the family together to get in this car to go somewhere, and then your kids are being like goofy. They're not being bad. They're just not like marching to the car right now. They're they're doing it. They're getting their stuff together, but they're just being silly and, and having a good time. I think in life, kind of um, taking a step back and just like taking a deep breath and realizing like, all right. Like, am I really in a hurry right now? Or is it just an imagined hurry? Is this just something, do I feel like we need to get in this car right now? Um, where really, if like, does it matter if we leave to go to dinner in five minutes or really right now? Like probably, probably not. Right. Um, and in fact, if they're having a good time and, and maybe actually just kind of enjoy it, like have a good time with them, be goofy too, smile. Like it's okay um, to, you know, to leave in, in five minutes instead of right now. If that, if that example makes sense. So I think that those would be the main things. Just like, hey, um, like be present. Like whatever's going on now is not going to be going on forever. I think especially in early 20s, that's kind of something that happens a lot too. You assume that whatever you're doing, you're, you're going to be able to do the rest of your life and everything's going to be like this for a long time. Um, where it's not true. Things change, you know? Um, and so, yeah, enjoying, enjoying things now, um, knowing that tomorrow is going to be different. Um, and then also just, you know, take some deep breaths, relax, you know, everything's not, not an emergency here all the time. Yeah. That's a great insight. Not just for those moments, but also for kind of the, the little bit of the macro of like, is your life happening fast enough? Is success happening fast enough? And right. can you be present enough in it and actually enjoy some piece of the process or are you so right. interested in the end result? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, how many times you're like, you're, there, there's a goal and you are going for this goal and like nothing else matters, right? <laughs> like you're just doing it this. And then, you know, you, you look up six months later and it's like, okay, well, what, you know, in the meantime, there's so, you're rushing through the days trying to get these things done, you know, or, or not, you know, people talk about, well, enjoy the process. And like, but it's real, you know, you really do need to kind of realize, like, hey, man, like, like if, uh, if I'm getting to this, if I'm working towards this goal, um, the, the day-to-day to get there matters and don't, don't take that for granted, you know? Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's shift gears. We'll, we'll go for another five minutes or so here. Um, I want to talk about business a little bit since you've been an entrepreneur in many respects and you're, you've been a, a, you've had the chance to be a gym owner and also Mm -hmm. run an online business, a retail business, you know, two pretty different businesses, even though they share this, this fitness thing in common. So what is it that, that a lot of gym owners may not understand that you've learned in this other realm that you've been able to take into the brick and mortar space or that you'd like to kind of pass along? 
uh, I think something that a lot of gym owners don't do, kind of we didn't do as much as we should have with it, it's the basic marketing thing. Um, that maybe when you're, when you're running a gym, you feel like uh, our low priority. And so what I'm talking about is um, like communication a lot, like email, um, sending emails not only to your current your current community, but also to any lead that still haven't haven't come in from intro or haven't signed up or whatever. Um, or or sending uh, relatively frequent emails to leads that never signed up that are just still still there or members who have quit. You know, like you should still be communicating with all these people um, because it's just so easy or it happens so often in the gyms. You know, you get a lead, you contact them once, they don't answer. Maybe you try again the next day and then it's just kind of that, right? Um, whereas if these people express interest, one, they reach out to you saying they need help, right? Like they want to join the gym, something in their life they're not happy with and they're looking to make a change. And so by not following up that person, you're just like ignoring them you're like, like oh yeah just go ahead and struggle like we don't want to help you out right like that's that's how i see it but so when the gym business so it's easy to say okay yeah that sounds great like sending these emails like when do i have time to do that like i'm trying to coach these classes and i'm trying to like do all the other things in the day-to-day of running the gym but the truth is like those leads and the people on your email list like that is like so important you know a lot of times I think gym owners try to go with, um, oh, almost like a badge of honor, like, oh, we don't pay for any marketing um, with just like all word of mouth, all referral. Well, sure, that's great. But you're also not helping as many people as you could be, right? Um, and so I, the, the biggest lessons, the biggest change I've made is doing some marketing in different ways, whether that means running ads or if that means even like yard signs or whatever. There's so many opportunities. And then... Um, you know, as you collect leads, having, putting them into a system um, where they do get followed up with frequently. And then even if they're not, you know, actively anymore, they're still getting some information. You're still sending them emails um, with, you know, offers and just tips and advice and, and things like that. Just staying top of mind because then when they are ready, um, they're going to be, they're going to think of you. So I, I think that a lot of gyms don't, don't, don't do enough or, or the right kind of marketing that really makes a difference. Yeah. So, I, I think mean, your email list, email list, like a, like an ATM, like you send emails, you make money. Like that's how it works, you know? And so I think overlooking that is you're missing an opportunity to help people and an opportunity to be more successful in the gym. Yeah. I think we all take for granted a little bit how much people know about us because we're in our own bubble so much. So you know, we, we think, yeah. oh, I did this amazing class and I'm giving this great experience and, you know, the members are loving it and in getting five-star reviews. So that's even being projected out in the world. But I mean, I was just, I was just thinking about it. I forget what the exact example was, but I think I was driving through our town and like it's just a street that I don't normally drive on. And I saw a restaurant that I used to go to that I like hadn't been to in two years. And I'm like, man, like had that restaurant popped into my Facebook feed I saw someone do it. I probably would have been there 10 times in the last two years, but for one reason yeah. or another, I hadn't been. And the same thing's true in fitness. Like people will go in these, these ebbs and flows where maybe they s- switch gyms, maybe they got out of your system, or maybe they showed interest at one point. And, you know, if you can be top of mind when that, when they're ready to start again, it's such a big difference and yeah. <clears throat> you can't take it for granted. I think also uh, people, 
Uh, don't want to bother people. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to like send another email. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to clutter up, whatever. Man, man, like people know where the unsubscribe button's at, you know, like as long as you're doing it the right way or using an email software, right? It's like if they don't want to see your emails anymore, they'll unsubscribe. It's not a big deal. You know, like it's not, and you can't be worried about that. Oh, well, if they'll, what if they'll unsubscribe? Well, it's like, well, then they probably weren't going to buy from me anyway. So like, what are we doing? Like you're worried about like, having this person not having this person not a subscribe, right? So keeping them on your list, but like but then you're not emailing them because you're afraid they're gonna subscribe. It's like, well the, what the, what are we doing? Right. Like help like and it's not just always all like sales, sales, sales. Like email them tips, like email them recipes, email them, you know, whatever, like a little at home workouts or stuff like that. People love that. And if they don't, don't subscribe. And that's okay. <laughs> uh, I had a similar experience. I wanted to sign my daughter up to piano lessons. And I call this lady and then I talk to her and we're like, okay, let me talk to my wife whenever she comes up. And then she, I was like, I told her I would call her back. I didn't. And like, it was three months later, I actually called her back and we started like the next week. And the entire time I was like, oh yeah, I tried to need to call her. Oh yeah, I need to call her. Which like wasn't a priority. If at any point over those three months, she would have called me, we would have started the next week. Right, like she, like she lost a client for for three months. Then we would we would have been there, you know, if at any point she would have reached out. Um, and I, and so I, I think about a lot. Yeah, and at some point during that three months, you could have had a friend come up to you and been like, "Hey, my daughter goes to this one, this other place," and you end up at a different studio or whatever they call those. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, that that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great great insight. Um, is there anything that you would do differently starting a gym today? And it sounds like you never really got a chance to start a gym fresh because you had joined one that was existing. But is there anything that you would do differently starting a gym today? Oh, sure. Absolutely. And yeah, it, it existed. But I mean, I think we were holding classes three days a week. And, you know, like it had it was in his garage and it like went from his garage to the first lease building. And that's kind of why I came in. So it was like pretty much from the start. Um, I think uh, uh, one thing that I, I definitely know that was really works really well that we didn't do for a long time um, is free intros, like free intros and agreements, right? Like for a long time, where like everything was month to month, right? We didn't want to put people on agreements. Oh, they're going to be scared of agreements. They're not going to want to do it. You know, like plans, that type of thing. And, you know, what's happened is we just started selling agreements when we sold memberships. And the same amount of people signed up, like nobody has ever like balked at it. And so we do like a, a six, 12, 18 month agreement. And like, that's just it. Like when we present people's membership options, here are the options. And we have yet to have somebody, I mean, every now and then someone's like, oh, do you have a month, month or whatever? And if you don't, you're just like, no, man, these are the options, you know, then like, that's just kind of that, you know? And that's been good because it's a commitment thing. Um, it's not like, ah, you got them. Like, like, that's not the goal. The thing is, if somebody is on a 12-month agreement and then they don't come into the gym for five weeks and then their bill's running again, uh, if they're not in agreement, if they're just month to month, like, oh, shit, I only went one time last month. I didn't go at all last month. So I should just quit, right? Whereas if they, they know they're on a 12-month agreement, they go, oh, man, I only went in once last month. Um, I better get my ass back in there because I know I'm on this, like, I know I'm going to be paying 
this membership for the next six months still, you know? And so we actually like our churn drops down. And even when those terms are up, like people stick around. And so we just have so many more people that stick around longer um, because they have this commitment. And it's, it's, it's not as easy as like, oh, I'm just going to send an email and my 30 days notice and be done, right? Yeah. Um, they have to kind of analyze where they're at and, and like, man, better get back in there. Uh, so that's the agreements. And then, yeah, then, then intros to get people started. Someone comes with that. We have that system down pretty good. And it works out great. They get new leads. They come in, free session. We talk to them about their goals, what their struggles are, um, do a little workout with them. Most people have never worked out that way, have never done a workout that's that has that intensity to it, you know? They get a little taste of it, and they're like, oh, man. In fact, you get the response. It's like a five, seven-minute workout. It's not like this huge thing. But you teach them the movements, and then you do the seven-minute workout. Most people have not been coached. They have not had somebody actually like teach them how to do something in person since they were in high school, whatever. Right. And so like teaching somebody how to squat, teaching somebody how to do ring rows and pushups and then do a seven minute workout with those things. And they're like, man, I haven't worked that hard ever. Like, I don't like, Oh man, now I see why this, you know, staffers like, Oh yeah. You feel like this can maybe get you some results. They're like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and so just having that, Having that time, so those, those two pieces, um, doing the, the free intro and then having having my all memberships be on agreements. Those are the two. And it the sounds like things. with your intro, that's always one-on-one, correct? Yep, one-on-one. And I'll say also a third piece of that is, um, like with the agreements, is we only offer unlimited. For a long time, we have like a three-day a week, a four-day a week, an unlimited, all this stuff. Well, we did two-day a week. The only found is everyone that was quitting, they're, on two, they're all two-day a week. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, because, like, you work out two days a week, you get two-day a week results, you know? And also, they're probably the least committed people. So they only signed up for two days a week. I'm not sure, right? And then we got rid of that. And then we found everyone that was quitting was on three-day a week memberships. We're like, yeah, no shit, of course, because mm. they're, like, they're not coming in as often, and they're, they're not as committed, and they think that that's all it takes to get their results. They, you know, they may be frustrated because they've been, you know, taking longer than they expected or whatever. Uh, and so we just switched to like this unlimited is the only option. And yeah. again, we're like, oh man, oh, no one's going to sign up. But, you know, all those people that are, you know, signed on three day a week now, so we get rid of that, you know? Well, really what happened is like, they didn't know that you used to offer a three day a week plan. All they know is like what you present them. Here's what we offer. These are our plans that we have available, you know? And, and- we'd like our, our um, conversion rate didn't drop off at all when we, when we switched to only doing unlimited membership. What I like most about that, because I, I do think there's a lot of different ways that I've seen gyms be successful, is that it's not what you're saying is not so much even about the financial side. It's part of the coaching side of things is yeah. you're, you're, you're telling people, hey, you got to come this many times to see a result. Hey, you got to commit right. for at least six months to give this an honest shot versus doing it for a month is not going to tell you anything, even if you lose a little weight. And I right. like that the structure of the, you know, membership that you can buy is built around, it's aligned with how you view success for the client and your approach to coaching. And I, I think that's the most important point of any type of membership option is it has to align with what you feel like this person needs as a client. Yeah. Well, so when you do like a, a 6, 12 and 18 month agreements, then you can also vary price within them. 
right? Like the six months is the most most expensive one, and the eighteen month is the cheapest month a month, right? So then, that you as you talk to people, you realize what are they worried about? Are they more concerned about price, or are they more concerned about commitment? Right, and then you can like guide them to the plan that works best for them. If they're really worried about the price, okay, you've got something for them. This eighteen month agreement is a lower price point. Maybe it's less ticker shock to them, and they're they feel more comfortable with that. If they're really concerned about you know the commitment length, it's like okay, well you can guide them towards a six month plan. Right, you have okay, we have an option for you that has a shorter length, you know, and kind of help you be comfortable with this. And yeah. so, like I said too, it's like what what do they need? And then also, what are their what is their hang up or what is their you know excuse that's 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 holding them back, right? And then you have you have something for them. Yeah. All right. And well, also let's... to be clear, I do think people have success in like three day a week, especially if it's in like a um, like a small group setting. Like if it's a you know, because some gyms run it that way. Like you sign up for you sign up for Monday, Wednesday, Friday at nine a.m. Whatever, right? And there's only and that's limited to six people or eight people to one coach, and they're the same group every single time. I think that format you actually get great results in, even on like a three-day week, because there's so much um, individual attention and there's so much accountability, right? Like, like you don't miss those sessions because those are your, your sessions for the week. So I don't want to, you know, make it sound like that nobody can get results on a on a three-day week plan. Mm-hmm. If it's if your gym is structured in a way where you offer offer whatever eight or ten classes a day and people can come to whatever class they'd like, um, then I then I do believe the unlimited having unlimited be your only membership option is the, the best way. Mm-hmm. Cool. We'll, we'll wrap up there. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're up to with uh, caffeine and kilos today. Like what's the latest on that and, and where people can find you as well. Yeah. So caffeine and kilos.com. Um, you check it out. We have the whole thing is a lot of people, you know, make, make stuff for the gym that doesn't make sense anywhere else. Right. Like you do the shirt doesn't you wouldn't want to wear it anywhere outside the gym or it's just not comfortable or whatever um, so that's that's where we kind of stand apart all of our apparel it's great you can wear it in the gym uh, but also you could wear it to your niece's birthday party and you wouldn't look like a weirdo you know and then that um, we we're talking about a little bit before we started recording andrew is that our coffee of the month like that's our most popular product right it's fun because there's a different blend uh, so you get to try different blends from all over the world every month so every month you get a, a different blend from somewhere else um, and also, we kind of teach you, um, like, how to do coffee tasting, right? So, like, hey, this this blend, like, next month, actually, the, the March coffee of the month is going to be named Rocky Road. Because uh, I'm telling you, it's like, tastes like Rocky Road ice cream. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, yeah, there's, like, you can taste kind of hints of chocolate in it. And it's a little bit nutty. Um, there's, like, little vanilla kind of tones in it. Like, so, anyway, it's a lot of fun to kind of kind of try those different coffees. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Danny, well, I appreciate you taking the time and, and I really enjoyed this conversation. Oh man, Andrew, thanks. Me too.